beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the first part of the Heidelberg Catechism, maybe you noticed as we began our reading on on Lord's Day 5, but the heading right above this is the second part, our deliverance. This is the second part of the catechism. So we've just moved into a new section. In the first part of the catechism, which is Lord's Days 2, 3, and 4, if we had worked our way through all of that, well, then we would have been led to a very deep and clear understanding of the need that we have before God. Just as by way of reminder, in Lord's Day 1, we're taught that there are three things that we need to know in order to live and die in the comfort, the joy of belonging to Jesus Christ. And those three things are, we need to know our sin and misery. We have to have an acute knowledge of that. In the second place, we have to understand how we are delivered from our sin and misery. This is the, the doctrine of salvation. And then finally, we have to understand how to uh, be thankful to God for the salvation that he's given us. Those are the three things. So in, in that first section, we come to the conclusion that we are sinful. We understand how that has come about, how we became this way. And in coming to these conclusions... We have settled all of the issues about, about the fairness of all of this because that's one of the objections that gets, that gets brought up. We're, we're sinful and, and um, you know, is it fair that, that God still demands a certain kind of righteousness from us and that he um, would judge anyone who, who doesn't stand up to, to those criteria? And there are certain uncomfortable truths That we have to understand about our relation to God in order to have a deep understanding about our need and then the greatness of the salvation that God has given us. So let's just recap a few of these. So in the first place, God God gives us his law, and it's through his law that we're able to understand the reality of our sin. We compare our conduct with the, the beauty and perfection and the goodness of God's law. We see what's alive in our hearts and we conclude that, yes, we, we, are, we are very sinful. And we learn how we got this way. The reason the whole human race is plagued with this inescapable, deadly disease of sin, it's, it's, it's not God's fault. God had made a beautiful creation, but human beings, our first parents with free will, introduced sin and evil into the world. And uh, to, if you want to review that, you can find the instruction of that in, in Lord's Day 3. We saw that there was, there's nothing that we can do to get ourselves out of that mess. We can't, with good works, work our way out of that, out of that condition of sinfulness. We're, we're dead in sin. And then we, we're faced with this really horrific realization that because of the perfect and very good justice of God, well, we're subject then to the appropriate punishment for, for sin that's committed against his glorious majesty. And that's everlasting hell. This is the outworking of, of the very good and praiseworthy justice of God. And so that sort of sums up the, the first part of the catechism, where we dig deep and get this understanding of 
of the deadly, truly deadly nature of sin. Our sin is tragic and it brings, it brings the, horif- the horrific punishment of hell, which is, the, which is inescapable for all human beings. And now that, now that we've understood the danger, the seriousness of the situation of all humanity, okay, now, now we're ready to start hearing about how we're rescued from all of this. Humanly speaking, humanly speaking, this is an impossible situation. It's hopeless. Any rescue out of this situation, humanly speaking, is impossible. There's nothing, there's nothing that any human being could do to fix this. It's a completely hopeless and helpless situation. Impossible. Unless God does something. Unless God does something. Praise the Lord that with God, nothing is impossible. It's an impossible situation, but God can make a way. And he has made a way. So this afternoon, this is what we're doing. Let's, let's find out, in the first place, what makes this so impossible for us to address on our own. And then let's see how wonderful our God is for providing an escape from the very heavy wages that we have earned from our sins. Our God has performed an impossible rescue. Okay, so... First of all, let's, let's address the situation itself. Why, why are we so stuck? Well, we've, we learned that we have earned, we have deserved a devastating punishment. That is, that is the reality of hell, experiencing the full weight of the wrath of God against sin. That's the thing that we have earned by the conduct of our life. But our instructor here in the catechism, right, we have someone asking us questions for which we are, you know, giving the answers. Our instructor here, the questioner, has sort of given a hint that, hey, there might be a possible way for us to be saved out of that hell that we're facing. This is something every, every sinner, every person, every human being, every sinner should hear. Human, human being, you are a sinner. You have sinned against God, and, and God is perfectly just. Now, the penalty that you've earned is this everlasting punishment of hell. This is a horrible, obviously a horrible thing to hear and, and to be faced with, especially if this is something that, that you're learning for the very first time. You know, imagine, imagine the way that you'd react, how, how you might collapse in helplessness in a courtroom after hearing, let's say, for example, the sentence of, of the death penalty being declared against you. You have you've committed atrocious crimes, you have, you've committed murder or, or something like that, and the judge has just sentenced you to the death penalty or, you know, 70 years in prison or something like that. Well, well this... 
this prospect, the prospect of divine punishment for sin, is infinitely worse than that. Experiencing the wrath, the just wrath of God against sin. This is what we face. But, but, there's a ray of hope here. Somehow, it appears that there is a way to to be free from that sentence. If a certain condition is met, this this is the news, the very wonderful news that you're presented with now. If a certain condition is met, you don't have to go to that prison of hell, the place of God's wrath. Yes, this is wonderful news, right? And if Again, if this is the first time that you've been confronted with with this situation and someone has told you, guess what? There's actually a way to be freed from experiencing the, the justice, the wrath of God. There's a way to be free from that punishment. Well, then how would you react to that? Well, yes, wonderful. Thank you for telling me. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? Tell me what I have to do, and I'll do it, anything, to get out of bearing the wrath of God against my sins. And you're told that, well, you just have to pay. You just have to pay what God requires. Pay the penalty in full, and you will go free. God requires payment. Again, this is in keeping with his good and perfect and praiseworthy justice that he must maintain as God. Okay, tell me how to pay it. What do I have to do? How do I pay it? Where do I write the check to? Whatever it is, I'll do it. And this is what we cover in in question and answer 12. You can be free from the punishment if his justice is satisfied. God demands that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, we must make full payment either by ourselves or through another. As long as some payment is made, somehow we can go free. So maybe an illustration is in order. Think of, think of the situation that you would be in if you, in, 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 in the foolishness of youth or whatever, you were stealing something very valuable from a store and you got caught. You know, something that would be a, a very serious felony. Let's say a diamond a diamond worth thousands and thousands of dollars. You decided you were going to steal it, and you got caught. And the store owner is going to call the police, and the full weight of the justice system is going to be brought down upon you. And all of this is going to happen unless you can somehow restore what you have stolen. If you can give what you owe, then the store owner says, I'll drop all of the charges. You, you won't face prison. You won't have to have this crime on your record. But the problem is, somehow, in, in the meantime, you've lost this diamond that you stole. It's gone. And you have no money. It's impossible for you to pay this back. Um, let's say you have no skills, no abilities to make the kind of money that would... That would enable you to make the payment and get you off the hook. This is the situation. This is, would be sort of the, the situation that we have here with our sins, but of course, infinitely worse. We read from Psalm 130, and 
the, the first half of that psalm is a heartfelt confession of helplessness before God. It's a confession that we are sinners and, and we only deserve punishment. Verse 1 of Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And here's the problem. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities. In other words, if you, O Lord, kept a record of all of the sins that I have committed against you, and this is how you dealt with me, O Lord, who could stand? If you kept a record of sins and dealt with people according to their sins and treated us according to what we deserve, who could stand? Who could have any standing or status before you, O God? And the answer, of course, is Nobody. In our sinful human nature, we are so polluted that no matter how hard we try, we only multiply our debt to God. And this is captured by the question and answer, question and answer 13. This payment that we owe to God, is this something that we are able to pay? Can we by ourselves make this payment? Certainly not. On the contrary, we daily increase our debt. Right? Um, No matter how hard we try, no matter how, how dedicated in our hearts we are to living well, to pleasing God, doing good works, they, unfortunately, tragically, they don't earn us anything. They don't put us in any better Instead, with God, we just sink deeper and deeper into debt. So now, back to our diamond illustration. You can't work it off. You can't pay it off. But, but the store owner says, it's okay. Don't worry. Maybe there's another way for you to escape the justice that is about to come down on you. And he says, I don't care where the payment comes from. It doesn't have to come from you. If you can get someone, anyone else, to make this payment, I'll accept it. I'll accept it. Your debt will be paid in full, and you'll be out of trouble. So, do you have a a rich, you know, generous uncle? Do you have a a friend or a neighbor who, who understands your mistake and who is sympathetic to you and maybe just wants to help you make it right? Great. If if that's the case, great. Payment is made, your trouble is gone, and you can get on with your life. No jail. But who could do such a thing for your sins? Who will make the payment for your sins? Who can make the payment for your sins? tragic realization is that no other person can make this payment for you. It's impossible. Every human being on earth, and this isn't speaking in an exaggerated way, this isn't hyperbole, every single human being that has ever been born is as much in debt as you are. 
Every single human being who has ever been born has been born into the same tragic and helpless situation as you. Boy, we just keep sinking lower and lower here, don't we? Whew, this is heavy. Nobody can pay for themselves, let alone pay for you. Well then, okay, is there another way? Could you offer God, let's say, some other living being, some other creature to suffer for you, to have your sins placed on them, you know, something like, like animals? And where do our minds go through with this? Well, isn't this what the sacrifices were for in the Old Testament? Right? All of these sacrifices were brought forward for the sins of the people. Isn't it the case that our sins can go onto animals and God's anger is appeased? Well, that was the idea that's being communicated That's what the sacrifices were teaching God's people. God's people were learning, okay, we are sinful and our penalty has to be paid. And and this is wonderful news that God is somehow willing to accept a substitute in our place. Great. This is beautiful. What What a gracious and merciful God. That's the comfort, the wonderful comfort that was given when When on the Day of Atonement, you remember the Day of Atonement? It was the one day per year when it was proclaimed in the most wonderful and and clear way that the sins of the people were being atoned for. They were being forgiven. The high priest would stand in front of all the people on the Day of Atonement, and this is a, a, a selection from Leviticus 16, Aaron, the high priest, shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them, put their sins, on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of the man who is in readiness. The great very wonderful news that God had been telling his people is, I'm making it possible for your sins to be taken off of you and be put onto a substitute and they're gone. They're washed away. They're forgiven. That was the truth, the gospel that was being proclaimed. But all of the the details of that were still sort of shrouded in mystery. How could God possibly do this? Because the reality The reality is, as we read in Hebrews 10 verse 4, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away the sins of human beings. Question and answer 14, can any mere creature pay for us? No. In the first place, God will not punish another creature for the sin which man has committed. Furthermore, no mere creature, so no no bull, no goat, no turtle dove, no pigeon, No creature can sustain the burden of God's eternal wrath against sin and deliver others from it. There was something even in in the system of sacrifices that were in place in the Old Testament, there was something lacking in fully reconciling God to his people. The sacrifices of animals just couldn't do it. The sacrifices were happening but they were, they were teaching, they were promising, they were proclaiming, they were proclaiming that 
that God was providing a substitute for them, but that reconciliation couldn't be brought about yet because animals and creatures are not uh, suitable substitutes. They were just pictures. They were pictures of the real thing that was coming. God's people were waiting for it and expecting it. They were waiting for the great substitute to arrive. Second half of Psalm 130. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. God had been teaching, proclaiming, promising redemption, right? My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, redemption from sin. He will redeem Israel from all their iniquities. <clears throat> so, no, bl- no bull, no goat, no animal could actually take away the sin of, of the people of God, but in, in all of this, in, in this system of sacrifices, God was preparing them to recognize the real mediator, the real deliverer, the one who really could remove all of our sins from us rightfully and legally and properly. He could take all of our sins on himself. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he was the true sacrificial lamb of God. In the lessons that follow in the catechism, subsequent Lord's Day, so this second part that teaches about our deliverance, it it runs all the way from, from Lord's Day 5, all the way through Lord's Day 31, we're led through this marvelous truth of what our Savior is like. We're shown how he qualifies. How in the world could could any being ever qualify to be our Savior when nobody and nothing else in all of creation could possibly qualify He had to be fully human. He had to be fully human. And he had to be perfectly righteous. He had to be a perfectly righteous human being. And he had to be true God in order to bear all of our sins. There is no one else in all the universe except Jesus Christ. And what did he qualify to do? What did he qualify to do? We read that very well-known passage from Isaiah 53. The Lamb of God, what he was willing to do. He was perfectly innocent. There was nothing unrighteous in him, but he was willing to have all of our sins put on him. Just like Aaron standing before the people, transferring the sins of the people onto that goat, our sins, our penalty, the wrath of God, the eternal anguish of hell, all of that that was supposed to come down on us, it was transferred from us and all put onto his dear and beloved son. What a loving and compassionate and merciful God 
that would do such a thing for us. God says, because of, because of my perfect justice, which cannot and must not ever be compromised, we owe this payment, and we can't make it. And he says, well, here, I will make the payment myself. You owe this payment to me, and you can't do it. Okay, I'll make the payment myself. God himself providing the payment that his own justice requires. That's our gracious God. What love that he would do that. At the beginning of this sermon, and through about half of it, yes, it looked very hopeless, right? An impossible situation. And for... For people that, that really love to, to fix things and address things and be able to be masters of their own destiny and, and, and steer their own ship, that's a tough thing to hear, that, that there's nothing, nothing that we could do. It's really not a pleasant thing to hear about. Think about that, that, that tragedy that we're all born into. And, and we think of even you know, the, the littlest ones, the littlest ones that are here among us. The, the little infants, even without their knowledge, all born into this tragedy of hopelessness and helplessness, born in sin, unable to do anything about it, but, but they're also born into this wonderful promise that God himself is providing the payment that they owe him. Your sins are paid for. That's the promise. You were lost. You were hopelessly lost. And it was impossible for you to be saved by any human strength or genius or anything, even the best human being who could possibly ever lived. If he was merely human, he could do nothing for you but God. But God has done something impossible. God has done something beautiful. He has performed your impossible rescue. He's made a way for your sins to be washed perfectly clean so that you can be acceptable to God, so that you can be loved by God and be with him forever. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, your Savior, Jesus Christ, was willing, so willing to do this for you. I can take their sins on myself so that they can be with me forever and ever. What a God. What a Savior. Amen.